What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another live stream of Bitcoin and Markets. My name is Ansel Lindner. What I have planned for today is going over the free weekly newsletter that's coming out today, um, Monday. So you can also go to bitcoinandmarkets.com. If you're watching, you know, if you're new to my content, uh, you can go to bitcoinandmarkets.com and sign up to be a free member over there. Okay, let's get into the headlines for Bitcoin. The main topic that I see out there is the ordinal debate. It's becoming a big thing. And a lot of longtime subscribers that are in Telegram, they're like, oh, you know, this is not a this is not a big deal. And that's exactly what I'm leaning towards. It does feel a little bit like the set the beginnings of the Segwit debate. You know, I never expected it to get as big as it did. And throughout, I was pretty confident in my assessment of the outcome, but it was still a very, very big deal in the space. Yet, what happened to the price during that time? You know, there was a huge bull market on for all of 2016 and 2017. During the height of this debate, we had a bull market going on. So the price alone should have told you that there was nothing really to the debate. But anyway, um, this ordinal thing strikes me as very similar, and I am not concerned, even though a lot of people in the space are concerned, calling it an attack on Bitcoin. It is kind of an attack on Bitcoin, but, you know, so is a spam attack, right? If I think what happened a lot during the scaling conflict was uh, Roger Ver was spamming the network, you know, he was sending himself a bunch of very low Satoshi fee transactions, spamming up the network, pushing the fees up, which then, you know, gave some legitimacy to the idea that we need bigger blocks. That was an attack on Bitcoin, yet it wasn't really an attack on Bitcoin. They were using Bitcoin the way it was designed. And yeah, fees were higher, but they just wasted money. The same thing with this ordinal thing. Uh, if the fees go up, if there's problems, you know, that it will just work itself out with the incentive structure that Bitcoin has. The Bitcoin main layer, or the consensus layer, was never going to be scaled to 8 billion people. Even the Lightning Network is iffy if it can scale to 8 billion people, you know, because the Lightning Network needs a transaction for every channel. Well, you can't have 8 billion transactions out there. That, you know, that means that there's going to be UTXOs for everybody and probably many, many UTXOs for 8 billion people. That is hard to see being viable. Okay, so the Lightning, even the Lightning Network, it can scale in transaction throughput and it can scale in speed and it can scale in all those things, but it can't scale in UTXOs. That, that is kind of the hindrance there of the consensus layer and for that i believe we need something like side chains um, so we have the distributed base layer or consensus layer then you have different layer twos lightning being a permissionless layer two that that works great and it can it can scale to a certain degree and in certain aspects uh, but side chains also are they have a different consensus model Right now, they're federated. That's the main idea there. So you have a group of 15, 20, however many signers, block signers, and 
it's federated. So you have different rules, but you have the same unit of account, which is pegged to Bitcoin. Um, and that really, if you think about it, like a side chain does resemble a commodity peg to a currency, you know, like backed by gold in that case, backed by Bitcoin. So you peg in a Bitcoin you can use within that jurisdiction, which I would say side chains are kind of like jurisdictions or proxies for different legal jurisdictions. And then you can do stuff inside of that uh, side chain. And that side chain will be able to be maintained by the owners of that side chain, the federation. I don't know. It's there's a lot of different ways we can scale Bitcoin. I don't think there's any one solution out there. But the main point is to keep the base layer, the consensus layer, distributed and free. So yeah, the Bitcoin, this ordinal debate will learn it gives us an opportunity to do exactly what I'm doing right now and talk about these things and kind of figure out how Bitcoin works, how Bitcoin will scale, um, you know, what the future looks like for Bitcoin and inform our investment decisions, inform our how we allocate our own time resources and things like that. Uh, so it's very important to have these type of debates, but also it strikes me as, you know, there, there's nothing else to debate. Um, so we're debating this ordinal thing. People aren't worried about GBTC anymore. They're not worried about a cascading bankruptcies going on in, in the Bitcoin space anymore. They're worried about the actual network the consent, how consensus works, um, those types of things, how Bitcoin scales. So it's a very good sign that we are having this debate uh, right now at the beginning of a bull market. I mean, it just fits perfectly with uh, where I think Bitcoin is as a project, as a movement, uh, and as a market cycle. Uh, it just makes tons of sense. Um, but overall, don't be too concerned about this. Okay, what else do I write about? I write about um, Charlie Munger. He opened his mouth and did a silly statement about Bitcoin is stupid. But he also, I think, exposed some of the elite thinking about Bitcoin. And that is that Bitcoin has the opportunity to undermine the Federal Reserve system and the national currency system. Now, like I just talked about with the federated sidechains, it's not that it's going to undermine the system. It's that it's, it, the system has to change. What is used as money has to change. And the elites are starting to figure this out. Even Charlie Munger, in a diss, had to admit that Bitcoin had the th was threatening to remake the system. Uh, so I think that's a very positive thing. And then, of course, he praised totalitarian communists uh, instead of free market capitalism, which is what he made his money with. Michael Saylor had a good retort. He said... Do, are you going to take your investment advice on technology from your great-great-grandfather? <laughs> no. No, you are not. Okay, what other news do we have? Uh, this Chinese spy balloon story, man, it just won't die. I, I don't think it's a big deal at all. And I've talked, I talked about it on Friday, I think, uh, in the live stream. And what I've come to see this as is just a breakdown in international trust. So any story that can be uh, kind of skewed or spun to amplify the China bad, Russia bad, East versus West mantra out there, it will be picked up and played in that way. 
and it just shows how far we've come in the breakdown in international trust and the breakdown in globalization. I think this spy balloon story is really a non-story except for that. It, it signals that globalization is done for, it's over, and it's not coming back, at least for the foreseeable future. You know, a couple generations, uh, four more turnings or so. All right, that's it for today, guys. Thanks for joining me, Ansel Linder, Bitcoin and Markets. Check out bitcoinandmarkets.com. Make sure you sign up for the free weekly newsletter. It comes out on Mondays. Hey, guys, and I can't forget to mention the new tier. It is the Premium Market Pro membership level over on Bitcoin and Markets. I'm doing all of my TA, you know, 95% of my price analysis, my macro stuff, my fundamentals uh, that I break down every week. I'm putting that on a new tier over on bitcoinandmarkets.com. If you want to sign up the first month here as an introduction, uh, you get the first month for 50% off. So check out bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash pro 50 forward slash pro 50 and get the most accurate Bitcoin and macro forecasting in the space. All right, guys. Well, have a good day and I'll check you on the next one. Bye.